Yo, 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 good afternoon and happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to episode 183 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your gracious and humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Back again after missing last Tuesday with Football Recap and Takeaways Tuesday episode as I'll do a recap of week five's action in the NFL along with my takeaways from week five in the NFL. And I'll do a recap of week six in college football along with my takeaways from week six in college football coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. Now, without further ado, let's get episode 183 started. You know I'm going to start my opening takes, and that's in the NFL. We're going to talk about the week six action. We'll start off with the Baltimore Ravens versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the Ravens, after this game, should be kicking themselves. This is a game they had a chance to win, and they could have won this in the first half. I mean, Pittsburgh had no offense in, in, in the first half and not even in the third quarter. All the points were scored in the fourth quarter on their way to a t- 17-10 victory. I believe the, the um, play that changed the game was in the end of the first half. It was 10-3 Baltimore. And the, the, it was almost halftime. Now, instead of, instead of kicking the field goal and going up 10, Baltimore decided to get cute and go for it on fourth down and did not get it. And I believe that turned the game around. And one of the things I said watching that game was say, we need to mark this down because this could come back to bite them and it did just that. But kudos to the defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers led by TJ Watt. They did everything possible to keep the Pittsburgh Steelers in this ball game despite having an an inept offense for three quarters. I mean, they were all over Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson could not breathe in the the second half. I mean, he drops like the pass, TJ Watt and company were on top of him. And of course, you have to look at the fact that they also had a lot of drop passes and of course some turnovers. They got four sacks on Lamar Jackson. But getting back to the offense, the Steelers had none for three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, they scored 14 points to seal the victory. Kenny Pickett had a um, 224 yards passing on 18 of 32 passing, one touchdown. Didn't get much from Najee Harris, 37 yards. Jalen Warren, only 40. So they didn't get much in the running game. But George Pickens had a big game. 130 yards on six receptions, one TD. But here's what with the um, Steelers defense. They got four sacks and they recovered two fumbles. And of course got an interception as well. Lamar Jackson, 22 of 38, 236 yards and an interception. Gus Edwards, 48 yards. Lamar Jackson, 45 yards. Justin Hill, 32 yards in a touchdown. Zay Flowers, 73 yards. Mark Andrews, 65 yards. Um, Nelson Aguilar, 64 yards. Odell Beckham, 
He returned, but he was a non-factor. Of course, he got hurt, but he did come back, but didn't make a difference. For the Steelers, this is this is a good win. I mean, for a minute there, they were, they were kind of teetering at two and two, but now they're at three and two, and they're tied with the Ravens for the best record in the NFC and the AFC North. I'm sorry. And right now, this division is wide open because you have two teams at three and two. The Cleveland Browns, I think they're at two and two. And, and, and the Cincinnati Bengals, we'll talk about them in a little bit, about their victory. Now they're at two and three, so they're still in the mix. For the Ravens, they, I mean, this is not a good look. I mean, you had a chance to win this game and, 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 and take a, a commanding lead in this division, and you squander it. The offense can't can't afford to be having, you know, um, second halves where they're not scoring any points. I mean, the defense did all they could for the most part, but yeah, Lamar Jackson company, they need to get it together. Because if they don't, they're, 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 they're gonna be, there's going to be some problems along the way. And possibly, they may be struggling to get in the playoffs if this keeps happening. Speaking of the Cincinnati Bengals, let's go to the Cincinnati Bengals. They came up with a 34-20 victory over the Arizona Cardinals, a game that both teams needed to have. Joe Burrow looked like himself again. He was 36 of 46 passing, 317 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Joe Mixon, 81 yards. And Jamar Chase, he told you. What'd he say? Throw him the ball. He's open. He he um he he um channeled his inner Keyshawn Johnson when he said throw him the damn ball and Joe, and Joe Burrow listened. Jamar Chase had 15 catches for 192 yards and three touchdowns. No um T Higgins in this game. Tyler Boyd at 39 yards and Trenton Irwin at 60 yards. For the Cardinals in a losing effort, Joshua Dobbs, 166 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Rondé Moore, 50 yards. James Conner, 46 yards rushing. Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, 61 yards and a TD. For the Cincinnati Bengals, this was a, this was a must win. Now with the Ravens losing and Pittsburgh, you know, three and t- three and two as well. This they, they're they're still in the mix. For the um, NFC North, AFC North, of course, they're going to have to start winning some games and including division games if they want to have a chance to win this division. For the Cardinals, I mean, look, I mean, they, they, they've been playing hard, but it looks like their time's about to run out. Question is, how long Joshua Dobbs has at quarterback? I mean, is he going to start feeling the pressure knowing that Kyler Murray is, is most likely going to play this season. But the Cardinals right now, they don't have a defense. All their defensive players are hurt. And of course, they're breaking in a new defense as well. So 
right as of right now the Cardinals they're they're somewhat of a mess of a mess but give them credit they are playing hard but they just don't have enough right now to beat to beat any quality team now let's move on to the Eagles versus the LA Rams now the Eagles I I bet I had some concerns about them I was thinking they were gonna have their first loss of the season because the Rams were getting Cooper Cup back him and Puka Nakata was gonna was gonna wreck was gonna wreck some havoc Unfortunately, that was not the case for them. As the Eagles actually played a really good game on both sides of the ball on their way to a 23-14 victory. This game was close. I mean, it was 17-14 at halftime, and it was anybody's ball game. But kudos to the defense of the, the Rams. The Rams' def- not I'm sorry, the Eagles' defense. The Eagles' defense pitched a shutout of the um, L.A. Rams. The, Ra- the Rams could get nothing going in the second half. And Jalen Hurts, I mean, in the first half, he was, he, was, he was pretty good. The second half, not so much, but the defense, you know, did what it needed to do to keep the Rams out of the end zone. Jalen Hurts had... 303 yards on 25 of 38 passing, one touchdown, one pick. He also had 72 yards and one touchdown. DeAndre Swift, who's been a baller for them at running back, 70 yards rushing. A.J. Brown, 127 yards receiving on six catches. Dallas Goddard had eight catches for 117 yards. For the Rams... Matthew Stafford had 222 yards passing on 21 of 37. Carrion Williams only had 53 yards. Cooper Cup made his return, had 118 yards on 8 catches. Puka Nakata, 71 yards and a touchdown. For the Eagles, they may be, it might be starting to come together now for them. I mean, if they can keep playing, you know, balanced football like they did in this game, they're going to be a tough out. For the Rams, I think they're just, they're just getting started. Now, you know, Cooper Cup is back. He's got one game under his belt. And with Puka Nakata, I mean, this is going to be a combination you got to watch out for. The Rams are not done yet. The problem is they need to get a running game. I mean, having only 54 yards rushing... I mean, that's just not acceptable. And Sean McVay knows that. I mean, you're running, you're running the Shanahan offense and you don't have no running game? And of course, Matthew Stafford, you know, he didn't have any turnovers in this game, but you also got to be mindful. He's one turnover away from costing you a game. So for the Rams, like I said, they're not out of it yet. As far as maybe a playoff spot, but they're gonna they're gonna have to start getting it together, and it starts next week. Speaking of the course, the the Eagles and the and the NFC East. Let's go to my San Francisco 49ers versus the Dallas Cowboys. All I can say is, I admit I didn't exp- I didn't see this coming. I predict I predicted that my Niners would win a close game. But this game was not even close. Not even a little bit. 
I mean, it was it was painfully obvious that the Cowboys are not in my 49ers league as they stump the Cowboys 42 to 10. One of the things I said when I was watching this game when it was when it when it got the with the 28 to 10, I said they are now Dak Press one Dak Prescott interception away from blowing this team this team out. And guess what? He didn't just throw one interception. He threw two. And then he threw three. Which helped blew the game wide open. I mean, the defense played lights out against the Dallas Cowboys. They held them to only 197 yards in total offense. I mean, only held them to 57 yards rushing. And they got four turnovers against the Dallas defense. And Fred Warner was a was a boss in this game. More on him in, in takeaways. But Brock Purdy had 252 yards on 17 of 24 passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions. More on him in my takeaways as well. Chris McCaffrey, he didn't have a big rushing game, just 51 yards, one touchdown. Jordan Mason came in, mostly in cleanup duty. I mean, but he did um, spare Christian McCaffrey at times during the game, but mostly, most of his yards he got during cleanup duty. He had 69 yards in a TD. George Kittle finally came to the 2023 season. Three catches, 67 yards, three touchdowns. Brandon Ayuk, 58 yards. Debo Samuel, 55 yards. And of course, in a losing effort, the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott had 153 yards, one TD, three interceptions. Pilot only had 29 yards. CeeDee Lamb was held to 49 yards. For my Niners, I mean, right now, they're the team to beat. Yes, I would even put them over the Eagles right now. Because the Niners, their victories have been convincing. All five of them. They've scored... 30 or more points in every game this season. And the defense, you would think after D'Amico Ryan's left, that, you know, they may, they may be some struggles, but they're still the same defense. But of course, we're going to see more of that as the time goes along to see if they really are better under um, Steve Wilkes. But so far, so good. As for the Cowboys... In the words of the um, late great coach Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. Overrated, overhyped paper champs. The Cowboys right now got a case of humble pie. Hopefully their fans got a case of humble pie and realize this is not a Super Bowl team. This offense, when it when it can do nothing without the defense cause getting turnovers. If the defense can't get turnovers, this Cowboy team can't do nothing. I mean, they only cro- they didn't even cross, they barely crossed the 20-yard line in this game. And they were lucky to only get one touchdown. So, for the Cowboys, they need to reassess where they are as a team. Because right now, they ain't, they ain't, the only teams they can beat are, are, are weak teams. You put them against a team... With a strong defense and a strong offense, 
and put and and, and put them behind, the Cowboys are going to struggle. So we're going to see what the Cowboys do going forward. But they have a they have a pretty tough schedule coming up. I mean, they got the Chargers, and then I think two weeks after the Eagles. So we're going to see what this Cowboy team is really made of. Now let's go to my takeaways from week five in the NFL. We for, first takeaway. We are we, we are we seeing a new era emerging in Detroit? That's right. We're talking about the Detroit Lions. Right now, the Detroit Lions are sitting at four and one, and they're the league leaders in the in the um, NFC North. Now, we all know the Detroit Lions, when the NFC North was created, when they had the NFL realignment back in 2002, I believe, that was like over 20 years ago, the Lions has never won the division. I think that was, I think pre, no, no, that's that's not it, but either way, the Lions have not been, are now becoming significant. So, Dan Campbell has changed the culture of this team. And, 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 and the, direct, the directory that they're on, it looks like they're going to be a team that's going to compete for years to come. And they're, and they're doing it with not, with, not, with not really any superstars, just, you know, a collection of players. They just band together, bought into Dan Campbell's um, way of thinking and his way of coaching. And now they're sitting on top of the um, NFC North. Now, will this continue? We'll see. I mean, here's what they have coming up. I mean, they have the Buccaneers, the Ravens, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Bears. Now, of course, all those are not guaranteed victories. And if the Bears continue to play like they're playing and rack up a few wins prior to that game, that's going to be a big-time matchup. Second takeaway from are, are we seeing the end of the Bill Belichick era? Yes, the New England Patriots right now are a mess. This is the second game in a row that Bill Belichick had to bench Mac Jones. Because the Patriots are looking terrible right now. Mac Jones is looking terrible. I mean, from his first season where he was, he played pretty decent. Second year struggled, even though I'm not going to put too much blame on him on that one. That was Belichick bringing in a bunch of guys who know nothing about offense. And he brought in Bill Bryan this year, hoping to um, help elevate Mac Jones. And Mac Jones has not elevated. In fact, he seemed to be regressing. I mean, this season he has five touchdowns and six interceptions and has been sacked nine times. But I don't think uh, Mac Jones is the only problem that's plaguing the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick is trying to be both GM and coach. Most of the time that doesn't work. And as you can see right now, it's not working for them. So Belichick needs to either make a decision and step down as GM and just be a head coach. Because at the, at the rate that he that they're going, 
they look like they're going to miss the playoffs again. I mean, he's obviously suffering from post-Tom Brady syndrome because Tom Brady has moved on and won a Super Bowl. Well, you're, while, while Bill Belichick and the Patriots have been struggling, they've only had one playoff game since Tom Brady left, and they got blown out of that one. So, all I'm going to say is, we have to see what the Patriots can do going forward. But right now, at the rate it's going, it looks like Bill Belichick's time may be coming to an end. Not saying he's going to get fired, but I'm just going to say he, he might have to look in the mirror and think, you know, I can't, I'm not ruling the, the league no more. Maybe my time is up. Third takeaway. I know you, everybody's going to say I'm going to sound biased, but you know what? So what? I'm going to make a case for two San Francisco 49ers for league MVP. Christian McCaffrey at running back and Brock Purdy. That's right. Brock Purdy. I mean, look at what's going on thus far through five games. They are 5-0 and oh, and they're dominating. My Niners are dominating the league, and they're winning in convincing fashion. They've scored 30 or more points in every game this season. Brock Purdy has passed for 1,271 yards, nine touchdowns, no interceptions. Christian McCaffrey has is leading the league in rushing 510 yards, seven touchdowns. He's also has um, 168 yards receiving and one touchdown reception. Now imagine what that would, 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 would imagine what the league would be like, where Mr. Irrelevant becomes league MVP. I mean that would be a story in itself, and Chris McCaffrey becoming the MVP. Which, of course, would break a streak of um, non-quarterback players winning the MVP. But either way, both of these men need to, need to get some MVP consideration. Hey, if you want to have co-MVPs, put Brock Purdy and Chris McCaffrey as co-MVP of the league. Hey, that would be awesome in itself as well. And my final takeaway, I'm going to make a case for another 49 now, I know right now, T.J. Watt probably is the lead candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. But y'all need, to get, y'all need to put some respect on my guy, Fred Warner. Fred Warner right now is playing like the best linebacker in the NFL. And you can argue he is the best linebacker in the NFL. Of course, he's leading the 49ers in tackles. He's got two sacks. He's got one interception. Fred Warner can play all over the field. I mean, he can tackle. I mean, he can he can cover. I mean, this past Sunday, he had one sack, one interception, one forced fumble. I mean, he had a hat trick. And at the rate that the Niners defense is going and and led by Fred Warner, I would say Fred Warner 
should get some 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 defensive player of the year consideration. Now, not, not taking away with nothing away from T.J. Watt because he's got eight sacks, but Fred Warner is playing is playing all world at linebacker. So I I need those MVP voters to start looking at Fred Warner for some consideration. But before I wrap up the NFL segment, let's go to a preview of Thursday night football's game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. For the Broncos, it's all or nothing. Yeah, I said it. It's all or nothing. They lose this game, they can forget it. Their season is over. They are 1-4, and four, and, they're, and they're not looking very good. I mean, looking at, I mean, Russell Wilson, he's doing the best he can. I mean, he's got 11 touchdowns and two interceptions, but they have no defense. And that's a bad sign going up against Patrick Mahomes and company. That they have no defense that can slow them down. I mean, Isaac Pacheco, I mean, he's playing some good ball at running back. Now, Travis Kelsey, he did suffer an injury, but it doesn't look like he's going to miss this game. I mean, he's questionable right now. But, I, I, I mean, I don't see him missing this game. But the Broncos, Sean Payton and company need to come up with a perfect game plan. Because right now, they're not... I don't give them a chance. And you know what? I don't give him a chance. So, I'm going to go to Chiefs to win this game pretty pretty handily. I think Russell Wilson will keep him in the game for a little while, but I think Patrick Mahomes and company are going to be too much. So, I'm going to go with the Chiefs to win this game 37-20. Now, that will end the NFL segment. Now, let's move to college football. Let's start off with the Red River Shootout. We're going to start with Texas, Oklahoma. Texas won this game 34-30. And what was one of the, probably one of the best games in college football. Now, obviously, I thought Texas was one of the most complete teams in college football going into this one. But their defense had no answers for quarterback Dylan Gabriel. He had 285 yards. He had one touchdown, but also had 113 yards rushing and a touchdown. I mean, they just, they, they, they had, they, they couldn't stop him, whether, whether it was, whether it was passing the ball, whether it was running. Jalil Farouk had 130 yards and a losing effort Quentin Ears had three, 346 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Jonathan Brooks, I mean, he was one of their bright spots as well, 129 yards and a TD. Jordan um, Whittington, 115 yards, and Xavier Worthy, 108 yards. I mean, it was basically it was basically a seesaw battle. I mean, at halftime, I mean, Oklahoma, 
was leading by three. I mean, Texas came in and took the lead at the, at, at the, at the, at, I mean, late in the game, but their defense, which I thought was, was actually a pretty good defense, did nothing to stop Oklahoma's um, offense. And personally, I think them playing that kind of de- the defense they were playing cost them the game toward the end because they were basically just letting them catch the ball in front of them. Playing what, what we all know is losing defense, known as prevent defense. They had no answers whatsoever. Now for Oklahoma, this is a this is a big win for them. And it moved them up a couple of spots in the top 25. I mean, they avenged last year's Red River rivalry loss, where Texas beat them 49 to nothing. So kudos to Brent Venables. For, for a good game plan and a bounce back win. For Texas, they're not completely out of it yet. Chances are the only way they're going to get any consideration at this point is now they're going to have to win the um, Big 12 and possibly may have to see Oklahoma again. But their room for error is small if they want to have any shot of winning, I mean, sniffing in, 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 in um, college football playoffs. Now let's move on to Georgia versus Tech Kentucky. This was this was basically no game. I mean, yeah, Georgia was a little bit shaky coming into this game because they were, you know, getting off the slow starts. But in this game, they dominated from start to finish. I mean, they they came out and I mean they ran rough shot all over Kentucky. I mean Carson Beck. I mean he was he was balling. 389 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Dejon Edwards, 54 yards rushing. And Brock Bowers, the tight end, seven catches, 132 yards, and one touchdown. More on him and my takeaways. Kentucky, they just couldn't get nothing going offensively. I mean, their quarterback, Devin Leary, 128 yards, two TDs. Of course, that was when the game was basically out of hand. You know, Ray Davis, their lead rusher, could get nothing going against this Georgia defense at 59 yards. So Georgia, looks like they they, they, they might have found the formula because they were getting off the slow starts in a lot of these games and even behind. But there was no, there was no doubt that they showed that they were, they are the defending champions two times and number one in the country. For Kentucky, well, look, they, they, just, they just didn't have the horses to compete against this talented Georgia defense, a Georgia team. It's just that simple. So it looks like Georgia is most likely going to win the SEC East and possibly go to Atlanta to play another SEC championship game. Speaking of SEC, Alabama versus Texas A&M. Now, Alabama was actually losing early in this game. They, they were down um, 17-10 at halftime. But their defense kicked it up and held Texas to only three points in the second half on their way to a 
the 20 victory. But the star of this game was Jalen Milroy. He had two, 321 yards passing of 21 at 33. Three touchdowns and one interception. They didn't get much from the running game. But Jermaine Burton, 197 yards and two touchdowns. Isaac Bond, 96 yards and one TD. But it was the defense that played that, that um did well for um Alabama, which they were kind of they've been holding their own, even though it's not typically the same type of defense you normally see from a Nick Saban team. And a losing effort, Max Johnson, 239 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Didn't get much out of the running game from them either. LaVon Moss, 49 yards. And Ananas Smith, I think I said that right. If not, my mistake, 88 yards receiving. For Alabama, they, they, they may sneak back into the um, college football playoff chase. I mean, they're slowly creeping in. I mean, they're 3-0 in the um, SEC West Conference. They still got LSU to play. And, and, of course, Auburn. But right now, it looks like Alabama may be getting their mojo back. And we may, it may be one of them sleeper teams. So college football may need to um, watch out for Alabama. As for Texas A&M, it's the same old story. I mean, J- Jimbo Fisher, I mean, he wins some games, but he, lo- he loses a lot of big ones. And they, get, and they reward him that big contract over Kevin, Kevin Sutherland, who had the same record he has, but yet they, had, they pushed him out of the way to get Jimbo Fisher, and he's getting the same result. So, not much to, not much to see there. Now let's go to our takeaways from week six in college football. First takeaway. Let's talk about the Miami Hurricanes. And one could argue next to Pete Carroll coming up with probably the stupidest stupidest play call in the history of sports. You got to wonder if you have to you can rank that up there with what Miami did this past Saturday against Georgia Tech. Miami, all they had to do was take a knee and they win the game. But they decided to run the ball, and the running back got stripped. Georgia Tech recovered, went down the field, and scored a winning touchdown to beat Miami. Now, of course, the head coach, um, Crystal Ball, I mean, owned up to it. But how could you, how, how could you, I mean, a team that, you, that has no business beating you, beat you? Because you let them hang around the football game. And you had a chance to just close them out. Just all you had to do was just take a knee, run the clock out, and the game's over. I mean, not only the, um, the coach should be kicking themselves, should be kicking themselves, but you got to think the Miami fans, the Hurricane fans, got to be sick after seeing that. My second takeaway: I'm looking at T. I'm looking at. After Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State, and there's a reason why I'm look I'm, I'm looking at those teams. 
if you really think about it, these te- these teams are vulnerable. Yeah, Michigan looks like a complete team, but they haven't played any ranked opponents as of yet. That's why they're beating everybody the way they're beating them. They don't have another rank. They don't play a ranked opponent until the last three weeks of the season, where they play Penn State, and then two weeks later, Ohio State in the big one. So how do we know what this Michigan team is really made of? I'm just asking. Same thing with Ohio State. Ohio State, I mean, to be fair, of course, they beat Notre Dame. I mean, so that's a, that's a, that's one ranked victory, even though that might be that might not be the case if Notre Dame loses this Saturday to USC. So they're slowly getting um, getting out of the top twenty-five, but they don't play another ranked. They play Penn State in two weeks, and then they don't play another ranked opponent until Michigan. So I have to ask again: Do we really know what Ohio State is made of? I mean, it's a possibility that they may that they may be overrated. We'll see when they start playing some ranked teams. Now, Florida State. Florida State right now, they have they've beaten one ranked opponent, and that's LSU. But after and they, and they play Duke coming up this week, so now we're gonna see what they're made of. And then after that, they really don't play another top twenty-five team. While well, they have Florida State credit, they played some good ball, and they've had some pretty good quarterback play from um, from Jordan Travis. But I need to see more, because right, I, I believe there's some other teams right behind the Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State that can topple them if they suffer a loss or even two. Third takeaway. Third takeaway, Alabama may have finally solved their quarterback issue. Jalen Melroar is actually, looks like he's finally getting it together. And he's gotten some praise from, from his um coach, Nick Saban, that he's, he's been improving. That he's growing. And if that's the case, that means Alabama has themselves a quarterback for the next couple of seasons because he's just a sophomore. Chances are he's probably going to be there to his whole senior year. But looks like as of now, he's played good over over the past couple of games. So, as I stated before, Alabama might be a sleeping giant. So we need to watch out for them. And my final takeaway in college football, USC's defense is suspect. And I think it's going to cost, it could cost them down the road. That's right. The University of Southern California is number 10 in the country. But but I'm 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 looking at them over the past couple of games. And I'm seeing give, they're giving up 41 points in both games. They gave up 28 points the week before Colorado. And St. Jose State, they gave up 28 points. 
They're playing some pretty formidable uh, opponents coming up. Notre Dame, Utah, Washington, and Oregon, and UCLA. Now, we all know Washington and Oregon can score. And on a good day, UCLA can score. But I'm a little concerned about their offense, about their defense, I'm sorry. I mean, Khalid Williams is, 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 is a dog. I mean, that guy, whether he goes to the NFL next year or not, hey, I mean, he's, he's, play, he's definitely a lead for the Heisman Trophy. One of the league leaders, in my opinion. But they better tighten up that defense before they start playing these um, opponents. Because Khalib is not going to be able to save them every game. And my final takeaway... I'm going to go back to Georgia for a minute. And a guy who needs to get some Heisman Trophy consideration. And that person is their tight end. That's right, their tight end, Brock Bowers, is playing, is playing excellent football at the tight end position. He has 545 yards and four touchdowns. And he's, he's, he's got to be the top tight end in next year's NFL draft. I mean, teams just don't have an answer for this guy. So the Heisman Trophy um, committee needs I understand it like you know, you got a lot of quarter you got a lot of quarterbacks to consider, you know, like Khalib Williams, Michael Penix Jr., you know, Bo Nix. But why not put a tight end into that mix? Why not put Brock Bowers in that mix. I mean, he's putting up some big time numbers and he looks and he's basically unstoppable. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Brock Bowers needs to have some consideration. And now that's gonna conclude episode 183 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading. Appreciate it very much. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you stream your podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GGSports13 and follow my Facebook page, Sports Takes Color with Gabe. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, downloading. Have a wonderful afternoon, and I'll talk to you again on Friday. Bye-bye.